Welcome to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. We are a local church in East London, here to be a beacon of hope for Hoxton. And our mission is to worship God, make disciples, share Jesus and transform Hoxton. Well, good morning to you. Uh, as Graham said, my name's Caroline, I'm the curate here, and it's my pleasure to be worshipping with you this morning. Thank you, Fiona, for that reading as well from Ephesians 1. I hope that you're not too distracted by staring out your windows, and I'm trying not to stare too much out of the windows of the, uh, the snow that is coming down. Um, I'm, it's not part of my sermon. I'm wearing heels. These, these are not the right shoes to have to walk back home. Um, but do try and not get too distracted. Try and keep with us for a few minutes longer, and we're going to be talking about uh, self-worth. So how much do you think that you are worth? Uh, Based on one calculation I found, you are worth approximately $551,473. Now, admittedly, that is based on numbers from 2012, uh, based on black market prices for your organs. Your organs on that are uh, your liver is around £157,000, your stomach only £508. Um, Another way of looking at it uh, is a a mathematical model called a value of statistical life. Um, And it's used in mathematical modelling. It's it's one of the things that's used sometimes in things like who do we vaccinate, in what order. Uh, That puts human life at about £10 million. Of course, something in most of us balks at kind of putting any kind of monetary value on a human life. But as a society, we do do it all the time in our policy decisions. And if we aren't putting monetary value on lives, we still make calculations about what people are worth. What is someone worth of our time, of our energy, of our love? What are we worth? This morning, we're continuing the series of All Things New, and we're thinking about self-worth. Last week, Graham talked about identity, and this uh, follows very closely on from that, kind of picking up some of the same themes. So if you haven't uh, listened to Graham's talk yet, listen to this one first, then go back and look it up on our YouTube channel or on Facebook. Pete Hughes, who who wrote the book All Things New, on which this sermon series is based, says, if the story we live in is the story we live out... The story we live in is the story we live out. And if that's the case, today we're going to look at what the world's story about self-worth is and what God's story of self-worth is and see which one we prefer to be living in. I think you can probably guess what conclusion I'm going to come to on that one, but that's where we're going. Look at the world's story and then looking at God's story. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us unconditionally that you are full of grace for us, that no matter what we've done, no matter what we do, you love us all the same. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us as we listen to your word this morning, as we explore it together. May your spirit be with my words, may they be clear, but would your spirit be with us in our hearts, helping us to listen to what you are saying to us this morning. Amen. So going back to that question, what do you think you are worth? What is your self-worth? And a really important question as part of that, which I think we don't often consciously ask ourselves, is how do you work that out? 
So often in our society, our self-worth is tied up with ideas of achievement or appearance or identity. And our self-worth, how much we value ourselves, often mirrors what the surrounding culture says. If it says we are valuable, then we feel valuable. We see this uh, has been talked about quite a lot in the Black Lives Matter movement, the idea that if there's systemic racism, if someone is told consistently that they're not worth as much as someone else, then gradually they start to believe it. I went to a girls' grammar school for secondary school. It's one of the highest achieving in the country, and I loved it. It was so good for me in many respects. But along the way, I bought into the idea that I was really only worth anything if I got high exam grades, if after that I climbed the career ladder, smashing my way through any glass ceilings in the way. And alongside that, culture was telling me that I was only worth anything if I was pretty, popular, pulled, lots of, lots of boys. Depending on what age that message was, kissing or sleeping with them. So age 22, I finished university, and at that point, I'd only ever kissed one man, let alone slept with anyone, and I went into archaeology, which at, the worst, at that time was the worst paid graduate entry job. And then, about four months into my first job, it was 20, 2008, there was the credit crunch, and recession followed, which put my opportunities to progress up the ladder at zero. I was lucky to have a job. Now, if you'd looked at my life at that point in terms of the world's calculations, there was not much going for me. My self-worth should have been pretty low. Often, how we build our self-worth is through comparison with others. I've got a couple of quotes here. Summer, she's aged 18, and she says, I do feel insecure if I see girls who look prettier than me, or if they post really pretty pictures. And I know I won't look as good in any that I post. I do feel pressure to look good in the photos I put up. Kerry, age 23, said, if I post a picture and let's say the guy I had a crush on liked it, of course that would affect my self-esteem in a great way. The same way it would affect my self-esteem negatively if I posted a picture of a new haircut, for example, and only received seven likes. Now, it's really easy to pick on social media, particularly things like Instagram, and say it's so damaging to people's self-worth. There is truth in that. We see this kind of epidemic of people struggling more uh, than they have done previously with self-esteem, self-worth, kind of body image issues. But the thing is, we as humans have been doing this for generations, basing how we feel about ourselves on comparison with others. How often is the first question that you ask someone, what do you do? Now, it might be genuine interest, but sometimes we're unconsciously going, is this person more important than me? Do they earn more than me? Are they better than me? Am I better than them? Here's some questions for you. Do you take pride in having the newest gadgets or the most up-to-date phone? Do you feel down? if you're passed over for a promotion or don't get a job offer? Does it matter to you how many likes or shares your posts get? Why? Why do these things bother us? If we really think about it, it's often because that we think they say something about us. I'm fashionable, I'm an early adopter, I'm clever, I'm accomplished, I'm pretty, a social influencer, and so on. 
We want those labels to apply to us because they reinforce the identity we want to have. Last week, Graham talked about how in the West, we often have the so-called freedom to decide our identities. We get to choose who we're going to be. Our worth is then determined by how successful we are at living up to this identity. Tim Keller, a very well-known kind of contemporary theologian, he said this in a recent podcast. If you say, I can create myself, that's a lot of pressure, and you can see it online. You can see people, they come up with an identity, and then they just scream at each other, if you don't support my identity. Or then you get screamed at if you're not true to your identity. You say you're this, but you're hurting the rest of us who are like this. The world's story about our self-worth, that we should only feel good about ourselves if we have achieved or have the right identity, is a heavy burden. Have you got a persona that you're trying to maintain? What would happen if that mask fell? Would you feel less worthy if that was the case? Now let's not for a moment think the church is scot-free on this. Too often in the church, we mirror the world rather than showing another, a better story. We use different labels. But how often has the church, and here I'm not just talking about St. John's, like this church, but I'm talking about the church as a whole. How often has a church made someone feel that they are worthless because of their social status, or because they haven't memorized as many Bible verses, or because of their race or sexual orientation? Or where have we elevated people as better Christians because they can write worship songs, or lead megachurches, or help on every rota? The world story tells us we are worthwhile and valuable when we have earned it in some way. If our tendency to calculate our self-worth based on whether we think other people think we've earned it or not, then there will always be some voice telling us why we could do better. There will always be someone who is better at doing X, Y, or Z than us, who earns more than us, who has a better job than us, who has a better family life than us. There is no kind of finish point. There's no, we've made it. There's nine billion people in the world. Someone, somewhere, is going to be better at whatever the thing is you're trying to measure yourself against. But there is good news. That is not the only story in town. There is a far better story for us to inhabit, a far better story for us to live in. Thank God. We heard in the reading Fiona gave us earlier from Ephesians 1 some wonderful promises. Ephesians 1 verse 3. If you've got a Bible to hand, it may well be worth looking, uh, looking this up because I'm going to be going through quite a few of these verses. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. That is a lot of blessings. Verse 4, for he chose us in him, that's Jesus, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. We were chosen before the creation of the world. 
We were chosen based on nothing we had done, nothing we'd achieved. And we were chosen to be holy, set apart, blameless, free from any wrong. Verse five, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. We've been chosen before the beginning of the world to be adopted as children of God. Not servants, not simply friends, but children. And with all the privileges that being part of God's family brings. Verse six, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. To the praise of his glorious grace. It is because of grace which God has given us that we are adopted. Again, nothing to do with anything we have or haven't done. Philip Yancey in his book, Amazing Grace, says this, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There is nothing you can do to make God love you less. For we might be going, well, what? how can that be the case? Every day I do things, I say things which make me less lovable. But verse seven, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Our sins are washed away in Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven. Jumping down to verse 11. In him we were also chosen in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Not only are we chosen, not only are we loved, not only are we forgiven, but we have a purpose to praise and cause others to praise God's glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This includes all of us who believe in Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit in us as a guarantee, a marker that we will receive the inheritance as God's children when all things are made new and all things are unified. Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrase puts it like this. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty good story to be living in and living out. Now, I've gone through those verses pretty rapidly. I really recommend, maybe this afternoon, spending some time rereading them, sitting with them, let them soak into your soul. We are chosen and loved and forgiven and redeemed and being given a purpose in God. And it is nothing to do with what, whether we've earned it or not. We haven't earned it. It was given to us before we even had a chance to try earning it. It is only by grace. 
Tim Keller in the same podcast said this, Christianity is the only identity that is received, not achieved. The fact is that because of what Jesus did, Jesus Christ is actually a person who lost his glory and his power and his privilege, came and died on the cross for us, paid the penalty for our inhumanity to God and to each other. In other words, he took the penalty. And because of that, when I believe in him, I can actually know that God loves me unconditionally forever. I'm righteous in Christ. We've got an identity that's received, not achieved. It's not up and down depending on how well I perform. If we have a natural tendency to base our self-worth on what someone else thinks we are worth, then we want to pick who's making those comments wisely, don't we? Let's look to God. God says that we are worth choosing before the beginning of time to be his children. God says we are worth being included in his plans. God says we are worth sending his son to die so we can have a restored relationship with him. And God says we are worth all of that, utterly regardless of what we do or achieve. This is not worth that we have to create or earn. That's a good voice to be listening to, to base our own self-worth on. So maybe we actually don't need to think so much of self-worth, just worth. After all, we're not very good judges of ourselves. We can be quite fickle in our assessment of ourselves. I certainly can. One little negative comment and I'm the worst person in the world. But rather, let's think on what God, let's focus on what God thinks we're worth. God thinks we're worth a lot. And if we have better self-worth, if we see ourselves how God sees us, this spills over. Not just how we see ourselves, but how we see others too. And we see the world story playing out this scenario all the time. You're only valuable if you can earn your worth. How do we know who society thinks is worthwhile? Political policy and media, often quite good indicators of who's considered valuable by society. So who do we value more? An old person or a preschooler? If you're white British or black or a refugee, which is more valuable? If you're poor or well off, you're a key worker or a politician. We are all made in the image of God. We are all loved by God. And so as Christians, how we act towards each other should reflect that as well. We are of infinite value to God. So is the politician. So is the key worker. So is someone of whatever ethnicity. So is the refugee. So is the preschooler. So is the old age pensioner. As Christians, we have a different story to the world. One that says that everyone is worthwhile. You pick anyone in the world who has ever lived and God would say they are worth Jesus dying for. 
they might not have realized that's what they were worth. They might not have lived in that story, but everyone can be a child of God. That is part of our good news as Christians. We have a different story, a good story, a story that's worth sharing with those we come into contact with. So let's live God's story for us. Let's live in the knowledge that we are valuable, we are worthy. And let's let that security and that confidence spill over into how we see others. Thanks for listening to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. New talks will be uploaded every week from all of our services. And do check out our website, stjohnshoxton.org.uk, for more information.